Welcome back everyone to our weekly High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, law enforcement and faith institutions are key pillars of any community. They both exist to serve and support people in big ways. Well, this past weekend was National Faith in Blue Sunday, a day where local officers attend worship services to connect with community and be encouraged. It was a great day in Concord with officers attending our Concord Outpost for worship and a big luncheon. They even provided officers with teddy bears to give to children in need of comfort. This high five goes out to the Concord PD and the Concord Outpost for sharing God's love with their community. In at number four, recently our Celebrate Recovery group celebrated 15 years at one church. Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered 12-step program that meets weekly to help many people recovering from hurts, habits, and hang-ups. If you want more information about Celebrate Recovery, head to church.one slash groups today. Here at number three, recently our Franklin Outpost received a letter from the Franklin School District Superintendent thanking them for the donation of teacher bags to begin this school year. He said, it was great to see all the smiling faces as the teachers returned to work and were surprised with this offering. It takes a village to raise a child and I'm happy to say that One Church is part of our village. High five Franklin to how God will continue moving through your city as you pray for one. Up at number two, we're celebrating a Stephanie and what God is doing in her life. She's been attending our Bedford Outpost and recently she was baptized. It was a beautiful celebration of her faith in Jesus. Way to go, Stephanie. This high five goes out to you today. And finally, up at number one, Sandy attended our Manchester outpost this past Sunday and found herself ready to respond to what God was calling her to do and be baptized. Sandy claims the truth that her identity is in Christ and we're all celebrating that with her today. High five, Sandy. Thanks for joining us for our high five and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. I love what God's doing. I love that God is always, always, always at work. Um, I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll get started. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you are present here now. And Lord, I pray that, I, th I thank you for everybody here and for what you're doing in their life. Lord, I pray that you speak specifically to something that's going on in their life, Lord, that you might um, be a word of encouragement or correction, whatever it looks like, Lord, may, may they find it, um, at least in part, in these moments, Lord. Um, in your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> you know what I love about Jesus? I, I love that he meets you where you're at. I don't know where you're at. Like, I don't know where you're at right now. But I do know something about Jesus is that he meets you right there. Maybe you're, maybe you're like you're on, a, you're on a mountaintop. Maybe things are going well. What I love about God, I love the fact that he is rejoicing with you. Like such a beautiful picture that God is, is rejoicing and, 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 and happy to see his son or daughter like, like in great victory. And at the same time, I know that if you're in the valley right now, that Jesus is right there with you too. I know that as human beings, we go through a lot of struggle. I know there's highs and lows and ups and downs. Maybe there's something right now that you're, you're, you're worried about, and I can say that Jesus will meet you in your worry. Maybe there's something that you're depressed about, and Jesus will meet you in your depression. We, we live in a world of uncertainty, right? We, we live in a world where, where like, and I, and I don't, like, we get so caught up in, our, in ourselves sometimes, but I think over the span of history, like, life is hard. Like, 
Life is difficult. Like there are things that, that are often uncertain. Our health, you know, over the past couple of years has been uncertain. Like all the things going on in our world, like, ha, am, am, or, or watching the health of others is uncertain. And then you get finances, like the economy and all the highs and lows and the ups and downs, and maybe you don't even have to worry about the economy. Like, like the, anyway, anyways, economy. Relationships start to be an outworking of some of the external stresses put upon us. It starts to hit marriages. My word, it starts to hit marriages. It starts to hit families. It starts to hit, hit raising like kids and children. And there is so much uncertainty. There's so many questions. Political systems, like figuring out what in the world is going on with political leaders, all of these things. There's a whole lot of uncertainty. And I know that we as human beings, we're longing and we're looking for an anchor for our souls, something that we can hold on to. And, and I praise God that Jesus can be that anchor, the one that we can look to in the midst of all the, the, the topsy-turviness of our world and say, God, God, you, you are my hope. God, you are where I can hang my hat. God, you are the one that I can, I can stake my life on in the midst of everything else, in the midst of all uncertainty. But I love, what I love about Jesus is that he'll meet you wherever you are right now. And so I would ask you, like, where are you? Like, what's going on in your life? Like, like the highs and lows, the, the worries, the concerns, all of the things that are, are scrolling through your mind right now. And here's what I would say. Or maybe it's doubt, because that's what we're going to talk about today. Maybe you're struggling with doubt. Maybe you're raising all kinds of questions. Like, God, God, if you were really God, then this is what you should be doing. God, if you really loved me, then this is what it would look like. And, and, and I would say, Jesus will meet you there. He will meet you right there. He is right there with us, right here with us right now. Sometimes in church and, and we go, grow, come to these gatherings and we be kind of repetitive and, and we forget the reality that God is with us in this very moment, that he knows my pain, he knows my struggle, he knows my suffering, he knows my joys, he knows all of it and he wants to meet me in it and help walk me through it. We're in a series called Personal Appearances. And personal appearances is when Jesus will appear to his disciples after he's been crucified, after he's been buried. When it looks like, I mean, you talk about hope being dead. I mean, they've given his life. You talk about all those things, political upheaval. You talk about financial upheaval if they're leaving their jobs. You talk about relational upheaval, about leaving their homes and maybe their families for a time or a season. All of these things are going on in their lives. And now it looks like Jesus is dead or Jesus is dead. And like, what do we do from here? Where do we go from this? And, and so we're on personal appearances of Jesus because Jesus shows up. Jesus always shows up. Jesus will always show up. And so that's what we're talking about. So 1 Corinthians, we have a memory verse every week. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And it's talking about when Jesus was raised to life again, how he appeared to his, his followers. And it says this. You're going to read it together with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6. Get ready. It's on the screen. Ready to say it with me. Say it loud and hear. Hear the resurrected Jesus as he's appearing to others. It says this. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. What Paul is saying is you can go talk to them. What Paul is saying is like, like this is not something we're making up. You can go, you can go meet them. Some of them might have fallen asleep, which is a wonderful, wonderful way of saying it. Some of them have fallen asleep. But if you need testimony, if you need to hear something, you can go talk to them and hear a firsthand account of those who have seen Jesus. And yet we still doubt. And I get it. Doubt. My guess is that in some way or another, we've all brought some amount of doubt into this room. Some amount of fear, some amount of worry, some amount of struggle. Questions that bother us about God and where is he and, 
and why and how and in what way. And I think there's something that we don't always talk about in the church, but I, I, I hope we can release us from this, is that doubt is normal. Doubt is something that, that is normal. It's a, it's a normal part of life. And sometimes you go, oh, you got to have faith. And a couple weeks ago, I talked about Hebrews where it talks about faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the confidence of the things that you don't see. And we can have faith. And I can tell you that that is a reality in which we can live. To say that, that, that Jesus is sufficient and always will be sufficient and, and he's sufficient for everything, but that's not always where we live. And, and so sometimes you can say, well, I'm abnormal if I'm struggling. No, you're not. You're not abnormal if you have questions. You're not abnormal if things aren't making sense in your world. There's something very normal about doubt. We're talking about Thomas today. Thomas has a nickname. I was thinking about nicknames. Any of you have a nickname? It's funny how we get nicknames. Like one little, one little Polaroid, one little snapshot of our lives that, that someone latches onto and maybe they give us a nickname. And, and I, I don't know, I was thinking of stupid ones. Like maybe you were slow on the basketball court and you're like, slow Steve. And, and it was like, hey, yeah, slow Steve. Or, or maybe you went for an extra brownie at lunchtime and, and they're like, oh, brownie Bob. And they start, you started giving you all these, maybe you're a worry and all you do is you worry all your life. And like worrying wander. Maybe you're fearful, wander. Did I just say wander? Uh, maybe you're, you're, you're fearful. It's like, oh, fearful Frank. And, and all of the, what's Thomas's nickname? name? Doubting. Doubting Thomas. What a horrible nickname. Poor guy. Like, like, man, of all the nicknames to have, Doubting Thomas. I'm thankful for Thomas. I really am thankful for Thomas. I'm even thankful for, I, I suppose, in some sense, of the, the legacy of, of the stupid, stupid nickname that he held on to because it reminds us something. It reminds us that doubt is normal. It reminds me at this very moment, whatever it is you are in, there's something normal about doubt. And we can bring it to God. If you look through the Psalms, the psalmist will bring it to God. God, I don't understand where you are right now. God, if you really loved me or cared for me, you would show up in this moment. Or you get Job like, God, I don't understand why all this stuff is happening. If you really are God, why won't you come through? Doubt is something very normal. And, doubt, and Thomas is struggling Thomas is struggling with doubt. But you know, if you look at Thomas' story, if you look at Thomas' story, like that, I don't, I'm not sure if that's actually who he was. And can I say, if you were to look at your story, whatever way you've defined yourself or whatever anybody else has defined of you, that may not be your story either, and yet you're living under some type of label. If you look at some of the, so here's what, here's, let me give you a little background to something going on in Thomas' life. So um, Jesus has just, they've just tried to kill Jesus, and I think it's Bethany. And they have, they've left. Jesus is always able to get away. And they had left. But Jesus gets word that his friend Lazarus is sick. We know he's dead, but Jesus calls him sick. He's fallen asleep. And Jesus is like, guys, he's talking to his disciples. We got to go back. We got to go back into Bethany. And the disciples are like, we're not going back into Bethany. I don't know if they had that tone, but it sounds like they had that tone. We're not going back there. They were just trying to kill you there. We're not going back. And you know who, among the group, there's a guy who stands up and says, know what? You know what? If Jesus is going, let us go with him and die with him. You know who that was? That was Thomas the Brave. That was Thomas the Brave. Thomas is saying, okay, if it means my head, and guys, if it means our head, we want to be where Jesus is. We are willing to go. And I realized just how easy through history he could have been known as Thomas the Brave rather than Thomas the Doubter. Another moment, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's always confusing them. 
which is helpful. It's helpful in life, right? He's always confusing them. He says, I'm going away, and I'm going to prepare to my father's house, and I'm going to prepare a room for you. And where I go, you can't come, but I will come back, and I'll get you. And Thomas raises his hand. He's like, Jesus, we want to go with you. We want to follow you. We, don't want, to, we, we want to be with you wherever you are. I might call him loyal Thomas. Loyal Thomas, who wants to be where Jesus is. And Thomas' very question of Jesus, where are you going, brings Jesus' response. Where Jesus, it's this beautiful response where Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You might search all different paths of your life, but the best path you can be on is the path of Jesus because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's brave Thomas, Thomas the brave. There's loyal Thomas, Thomas the loyal. And then there's doubting Thomas. And sometimes I thought, there are labels that we receive from others. And we can build our whole identity on those, like Doubting Thomas. But then there's those labels that we receive in ourselves. And we get caught up of, oh, this is who I am. I'm a doubter. There's, this, is, this is who I am. I'm a worrier. This is who I am. I'm ever depressed. This is who I am. I'm, 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 I'm fearful. This is who I am. I'm a loser. However you might define all of that. Well, really, I think Jesus wants to help us to understand our identity in him. And so we're in John John chapter 20, verses 19 through 25, and Jesus has been crucified, he's been buried, it looks like all hope is dead. They've heard rumors that Jesus has been raised to life again, and they're trying to figure out what all this is, and we find them in an upper room, and this is, what, this is what happens. It says, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, and as I read that, you know what I realized? Thomas might not be the only doubter in the room. Thomas may not be the only one who's struggling a little bit of doubt. They're in a locked room, they, they, they have... Come to give their life to Jesus. They're saying, Jesus, we know that you were Lord and King, and now we find them in the midst of a locked room. And so maybe, maybe we put a little bit too much pressure on Thomas because it seems like they're just a little bit nervous too. Anyways, I think it's part of the human thing. Doubt is normal, so they're locked for fear of the Jews. And then Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. You know what I love about Jesus? He will always show up into the locked rooms of our doubt, into the locked rooms of our fears, and he's always offering peace. At this very moment, whatever the struggle, whatever the box, whatever the lock, Jesus comes to offer peace. Jesus has given peace. Peace be with you, he said. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his sides. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, because maybe I need to hear it twice. Because maybe there's something in my nature that is prone to doubting or fear or worry. And there's moments when Jesus will speak, maybe in this moment, and say, peace, I give you. And you're like, yeah, okay, I see peace. But man, but then I turn the corner and, and chaos and crisis is right around the corner. And so Jesus says it again, peace be with you. And then it goes and says this, and he breathed on them. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and received, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. I always wonder where he was. I, I, we don't know. I don't know if his doubt kept him away. I don't know if, I don't know if his sense of loss had kept him away. I, we don't know. But Thomas wasn't there. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And I thought about doubt. 
And I thought about, oh, doubting Thomas. You remember that? Would I be any different? I started to think, like, there's something that seems quite legit. I mean, with what all the disciples have gone through, and you ever feel alone in your doubt? You ever feel like you're the only one who's doubting? I mean, I thought about it. I thought about all the disciples. They've seen Jesus. They've seen the, they've seen the holes in his hands. They've seen his feet. They've seen his side. And now there's Thomas. It's like, why am I the only one? Why am I the only one who doesn't can't see it? And so you, you come on a Sunday and you sit next to people and you're like, man, they seem to get it and they seem to be on fire and they seem to be that there's no doubt in them. Why am I the only one struggling with doubt? Can I tell you that everyone struggles with doubt, that there's something very normal about doubt, that, 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 that we all experience it, but sometimes we can feel completely alone in, alone in it. Please, please don't feel alone in your doubt. And Thomas gives the great unless. They were like, oh, what do you mean unless you see I think about the own unlesses in my life. God, unless you can fix this in the way I need you to fix this. Oh, I don't know if I can believe it. God, unless, God, unless I can see it. God, unless I can touch it. God, unless I can, God, unless you solve this problem in this way. God, unless you restore this relationship. God, unless you do all of this. We have all of these unlesses before God, and I understand them. I get them because we struggle with doubt. God, God, where are you? And so Thomas isn't there. But I'm thankful for Thomas. And I'm thankful for this story because it reminds me that doubt is normal. In the church, sometimes underestimates the reality of doubt. Because here's the power of doubt the power of doubt is that Jesus can meet you in your doubt. You know what I love about Jesus? He'll meet you where you're at, He'll show up. In the middle of your doubt. Because sometimes I've made the mistake, and you probably made the mistake, that Jesus is repelled from our doubt. That if you don't have the right amount of belief, like if you, if you don't have it all figured out, if you don't have all, all the faith that can move a mountain that you're often told you're supposed to have, that, that somehow Jesus is like, oh, no, not you. You know, it seems as though Jesus is not even repelled from our doubt. He's drawn to our doubt. That he wants to meet us in our struggle. He wants to meet us in our questions. Maybe, in fact, it's a lie of the enemy that says if you don't have enough faith, then, then you just got to walk your own path. No, what it says is if you don't have enough faith, you say, Jesus, help me, help me to see it. Lord, Lord, show up. Help me to see where you're already at work. You know what I love about Jesus is sometimes he's able and willing to speak to our doubt exactly how we need it. Have you ever um, been watching like a, a game on TV or a movie and you leave the room to go to the bathroom or to get a drink or, and the family starts cheering or you come back in the room, you're like, what did I miss? Have you ever have that experience? And then you get your TiVo. I'm, I know a little date. And like, or you, you get your remote and you can, you can rewind it now and you like watch it all over again. You know what I love about God? Like, you know what I love about God? What he did for Thomas is like he rewinds the whole story. I, I didn't mean to do that, but he rewinds the whole story and it happens again. He makes it happen again. As John starts to tell the story again, it says eight days later, let's just read it. Jesus can meet us in our doubt. Jesus can handle our doubt. It says a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. One difference, Thomas is there. Can you spot the difference? Thomas is there this time. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, 
peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting. Stop doubting and believe. Sometimes we feel like our doubt is this thing that keeps God away. I don't know, but I love the fact that Jesus shows up and the whole scene is recreated so that he can show Thomas that he's there, that he's real, that he's present, that he's alive, and that peace, that peace can be known, that peace can be touched, that peace can be seen. Jesus can handle our doubt. And I don't know what your doubt is. I don't know what your struggle is. And maybe you're not. Maybe, it's, maybe things are going great. That's wonderful. Jesus is with you there. He'll meet you where you're at. But he'll also meet you in the moments where you have questions, more questions than answers. And Jesus reveals himself. Maybe you're in that doubt right now. You're like, okay, I, God, I, I need you to reveal yourself. Because that's real. Marriages, it's real. Jesus, I need you to reveal yourself in this. Parenting, oh my gosh, real. Jesus, I need you to reveal yourself in this. Financial crisis, Jesus, this is real. I need you to, to reveal yourself in this. Health things or health of people that you love. Like, Jesus, I, I need you to show up in this. So how do you see Jesus in the midst of this? If you look at Thomas' story, you can see different ways in which Jesus shows himself to people. And what is by testimony? What is it by the testimony of others? Thomas has friends. Thomas has brothers and sisters who have got to witness the grace of God, the resurrected Jesus, and now he has put a message in their hearts that now they can speak to Thomas. And I realize how important each other we are to each other. That some of you have gone through some difficult things, that someone else in here will go through a difficult thing, and we get to say, we get to walk alongside them and say, yeah, I was there. I walked through that. Jesus was present and faithful with me, and he will be present and faithful with you as well. And so through the testimony of others, which means we have to get around people. We have to be around his church. Through, um, through worship. Has your faith ever grown? Has your, has your doubt ever been affected, at least, by watching someone worship? And I don't mean just the songs, but, but sometimes in songs, you're singing with people, and you're like, who are these people? They seem to really love God. They seem to really be on fire, and i got my own stuff I'm going on. I can't quite figure it out. I wish I could sing like that, but I'm not. But there's moments where you're like, okay, man, I want that. And there's just the song worship, just the life worship. Man, they seem to be living their life for Jesus tonight. I just want that as well. It's our worship that can, Jesus will reveal himself. So it's through prayer. It's through talking to Jesus. Like this, this thing that we take, I, I take, like I won't put you in it. Like so much for granted sometimes that you can talk to God right now with this moment. 
And that you can say, God, if you are real, I just want to know who you are. That's like the realest prayer you can pray. It's like because it's talking, any, any, any context in which you're talking to God, it's prayer through Scripture. Scripture can, oh man, we really are a blessed people. Like generations and generations who didn't have the written down word of God, and yet now we have that? Like you can open your Bible and you're like, okay, God... Let me hear from you, and God will speak. And you're like, maybe not at first, as you're, like, as you're going through. You're like, I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> I don't know what I'm reading. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, in a way, God can start speaking to you. And so God, Jesus can reveal himself through Scripture. You know what struck me about the story of Thomas? It was a couple years ago. It's this little phrase at the top of those verses that we just read. It says, a week later. A week later. You mean my friends get to see the resurrected Jesus and then I gotta get a week? I gotta wait a week? I never thought about that. A week later. All of my friends have their hopes lifted up and here I am unless I see it. And, and Jesus is going to wait a week and maybe think about, a lot about doubt. It's like sometimes, sometimes, and I don't know why, and I, I, I mean I can partially figure out why if we stop and think about it. Sometimes Jesus lets us struggle in the doubt. Sometimes he lets us wait it out. I don't know, I thought about Thomas. Man, I'm frustrated seven days in. <laughs> what are you talking about? Jesus, I want to see you. And maybe you're frustrated seven days in. Maybe you're seven years in. Maybe you're 70 years in. Like, Jesus, I, I just want to see you. There's this, there's this last part in this section. That's the top part. There's this last part of the, the section that we just read. I think it's a kind of a pivotal moment in, in Thomas's life and maybe a pivotal moment in your life where, where Jesus will say this. And, and I, don't think it's, I don't think it's critical. I don't think it's critical from in Jesus. I think it's critical in our own lives. There's this moment when Jesus says, now that you've seen me, stop doubting and believe. And those words always kind of bothered me. Because I want to believe. And how do I just stop doubting and believe? And my guess is there's somewhere in your life where Jesus is saying, I, I want you to stop doubting and believe. And you're like, I want to stop doubting. And I want to believe. How do I do this? I don't know if I fully have the answer to that. Except you take a step in faith and say, okay. Jesus, I will look for you, and I will see where you're revealing yourself. Because here's what I think we all know about doubt, is a little bit of doubt can be transformed into a lot of belief. Maybe you're, maybe you're mad at your doubt right now. Maybe there is a struggle, and you're like, God, I am pretty frustrated with you right now. But here's what God can do, is he can restore anything. And a little bit of doubt can turn into a lot of belief. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, the beginning, we're in John, the first, the very beginning. John begins with in the beginning, which is very Genesis of him. Only it's Genesis now in the light of Jesus. And so he says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. You get this whole different cosmic perspective of Genesis through John. It's like, in the beginning was the Word. And you're like, what is this Word? And the Word was with God. What is this Word that is with God? And the Word was God. What is this Word that was God? And then it goes on to say, and the Word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. You're like, oh, the Word that we're talking about is Jesus. Jesus became God. God, God became flesh. God walked on earth and dwelled among us. 
And it goes on to say no one has seen God, but in Jesus we now see God. We now see the glory of God. And so John will write this whole gospel helping us see God in the person of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and so there's this whole struggle of disciples trying to figure it all out. And then near the very end of John's whole telling of the story of Jesus, he has doubting Thomas say the most powerful words, perhaps of the whole gospel. If you read the next thing that's said there, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. That's the first time in John's gospel that anyone calls Jesus God directly. John begins, no one has ever seen God, but now in Jesus we've seen God, this whole story. And now at the end, you have doubting Thomas say, I've seen God. No one has ever seen God and lived, but now I've, I've, I've seen him. And you think about how a little bit of doubt can be transformed into a whole lot of faith. And Jesus will tell him, blessed, you were blessed because you got to see me, but blessed are those who have not seen and, and still believe. When I think about the story of Thomas, I think about how God is calling us to lean into him in the moments of doubt. To know that Jesus will meet us there. That sometimes, that sometimes he'll let seven days go by. But in those seven days, there will be testimony and there will be words and there will be prayer and there will be scriptures and and there will be people that he puts along our path. And if we're looking, if we're, if we're seeking him out, that, that, that he can take our little bit of doubt and he can turn it into a whole lot of belief. And so there comes a point where we get to stop doubting and believe. Jesus just a little before he's in the upper room with his disciples, the same room. The same room, and Jesus knows everything that's going to happen. In fact, he tells them. He tells them over and over again. He keeps telling them what's going to happen. And like you and me, they're like, ah, we don't get it. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're going away. What do you mean die, cruce, like crucifixion? That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. And yet knowing exactly what was going to happen, Jesus took a, a piece of bread, and you have a piece of bread that Hopefully you got on your way in. And Jesus will say, this is my body given for you. This is my body that's been offered for you. And because of what I'm about to do, he says that, that, that yeah, you're going to have doubt. But I'll meet you there. Yeah, you're going to have struggle, but I will meet you in those struggles. And I will keep showing myself in the midst of struggles. And whatever doubt you're going through right now, I can transform it into a lot of faith. And so we take and eat and remember the one who can meet us, the one who has met us and brings us life to the king. He says, this is my blood poured out for you. Whenever you gather together, do this in remembrance of me. And so we, we gather together and we take this to our king. <clears throat> Would you all stand with me?
Maybe you're here today and maybe you're here today and, and yeah, things are hard. And you've got questions and you've got frustrations and you've maybe got anger or bitterness or unforgiveness or a lot of doubt, a lot of doubt how God's going to work it out. What I love about Jesus is that he'll meet you right there. He'll meet you right there. And he'll walk you right there. He'll, he'll keep showing himself in the midst of it. And so maybe that struggle is what you're in right now and, and you just need someone to pray with. I'll be down in front right here and Dan will be over there. And if there's anything in your life that we can be praying for, to know that you don't have to be alone in your doubt. You're not alone in your doubt and you don't have to be alone in your doubt, but we're willing to, to pray with you and help you walk through it. Or maybe today's it. You're ready to stop doubting or to step into belief. The way in which we do that within Jesus' church is we're baptized into him. And it's a step. It's a step that maybe we don't always understand either. It's that step of faith. They're like, okay, I don't have all my questions answered, but I know that Jesus is the answer. And so I want him. I want him to guide me and lead me. Today's the day. There's no better day. There's no better time than, than the present, than the moment to say, Jesus, I, I give you all my doubt, and I'm just going to, I'm going to put my belief in you. Dan will be down here. Again, I'll be down here. If you want to be baptized into Jesus today, um, I invite you to do it. We all pray with me. Jesus, you are sufficient. You are sufficient for everything in this room. Lord, you are present. I pray that you make your presence known. Lord, there's doubt. May you speak your peace. And may we leave here people whose lives are anchored not on the uncertainties of ourselves or this world, but anchored in the person of Jesus. It's in him we pray. Amen.